Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We're going to spend the hour today with uh, Hal Cannon. His latest recording, Nothing Lasting, is out now. It's a labor of love from a musician who's now in his fifth creative decade of simultaneously embracing tradition and pushing into new musical frontiers. Hal Cannon's career encompasses decades as a member of the cowboy and pioneer music revivalist Deseret String Band, as well as six albums with the acclaimed experimental desert music outfit Three Hat Trio and production duties on countless documentaries for NPR. He also founded the Western Folklife Center and annual cowboy poetry gathering. Hal Cannon, pleasure to welcome you back to Access Utah. Thank you. Hi, Tom. Good to have you on. Um, I want to start, Hal Cannon, I want to play some music, of course, through the hour, but uh, for, for those, there may be some of the audience who who are just encountering Hal Cannon. It's hard hard to believe. But um, so I want to just very quickly go through some high points of your biography before we get to the uh, the latest album, spend most of the time on that. Um, so reading from your website, I didn't know this part, uh, 12 years old, you heard a bluegrass album, and I guess that sent you on your way. Yeah, it was uh, old-time bluegrass music at my cousin's house, and I I heard that music, and it just spoke to me in a way that nothing else had ever spoken to me, and I, uh, I just went after it and uh, found some other like-minded souls out there in junior high school, and started taking some lessons uh, you know I was taking clarinet lessons and avoiding practicing like most kids do and uh, then I got onto folk music and I just was self-motivated and that made all the difference you organized a folk music club I guess in East high school yeah yeah, yeah. yeah when I was a sophomore and it was it was it ended up being the biggest club in the school folk music ah. had a big revival down and uh, you look at the yearbook, and it's this gigantic club of people who love folk music. <laughs> you, you've had you've had success at collaboration. In fact, you uh, reading an interview you gave, you said uh, one of your talents is at least uh, kind of temporary, short term collaborations. Uh, this one I'm reading about, though, you formed a band in junior high school called Storm Mountain Boys, and uh, that's still going on, I guess. Yeah, they, I'm not, I'm not in it any longer, but I guess they're still playing. And I talked to my partner Brent Bradford, who started the group. With, we started the group together, I think, in when we were in eighth grade. <laughs> it's still going strong, playing bluegrass. I haven't really played any bluegrass in many years, but um, anyway, that makes me really happy to hear that he's still playing music and has the Stormy Mountain Boys out there. <laughs> Uh, you took lessons, apparently, from Rosalie and Jim Sorrells and Utah Phillips. Yeah, yeah. I was very fortunate. Uh, you know, I had no idea that we had such luminaries of folk music in Salt Lake City, where I grew up. And um, so, you know, I took advantage of it. And uh, there were a lot of people to learn from. There was uh, something called the uh, what Intermountain Folk Music Society. It met at the University of Utah. And uh, Brent and I, uh, Brent Bradford and I, were the youngest members, and we'd come and everybody'd sing songs and end the fifth session with "This Land Is Your Land," and they'd bring in concerts, uh, people passing through. So we got to hear lots of incredible music that um, I think was surprising for Salt Lake City. Um, just great, great people coming through town. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm reading from HalCannon.com, uh, which you can go and check out Hal Callan there. there um, so you used to watch uh, TV, 
uh, after school. This is while you're still going to school. <laughs> Sound turned down and playing guitar along the action. Later on, you went to score films. Um, so I guess that was early practice. It was. Uh, I liked to, yeah, I liked the, the, the message better with me playing in the background rather than, you know, the um, bad news of the news. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so people, uh, you know, people that don't know your bio might be surprised to learn that the guy who founded the Western Folklife Center studied film at Rhode Island School of Design. Yeah, that's where I went to school. Yeah, and and a lot of film scored a lot of films. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. What was uh, that? Must have been interesting work, enjoyable work. Yeah, I guess you, you did a lot of films. I, you know, it's mostly small documentaries. Um, I scored several films for. Uh, uh, KUD Channel 7, uh, just independent filmmakers, mostly people that had hardly any budget. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, I did, wasn't exactly supporting myself uh, scoring films. Um, it, actually, in the last couple of years, I scored a feature-length feature, feature length film that uh, was actually just a, a, a big and very satisfying project, a film called uh, The Tomb of Joseph. Uh, filmed in Nauvoo, Illinois, and that was just a fantastic experience. Hmm. I'll have to check that out. Um, in fact, I ran across that on YouTube. I was checking out some of your, your videos. Uh, mm-hmm. By the way, we're um, I'm going to play a couple of those. Um, when did you start making music videos? Um, well, I've always liked music videos, and... Um, because I, you know, I went to Rhode Island School of Design, and I took a lot of classes in uh, in filmmaking, and uh, and I just I like the visual images, and I like music, and I like the way that music goes together with visual. And so, um, when I started working on this album, I determined that one of the things I really wanted to do was commission a few really fine video uh, artists that I knew to make. Um, uh, video music videos and so uh, there there's four of them for this album and and it was just a, a great blast it was sort of the final creative act of the album is collaborating with these folks and mostly giving them free reign to get as crazy as they wanted to get mm. well, let's uh, let's let's jump into the latest uh, album then do we call them albums anymore what do we call them I like calling them albums because mm-hmm. it can mean anything at this point. And, uh, you know, I, I like the word, the the concept of an album because it. I, I spent a lot of time figuring out what what way to order the music, and I think of it as a one one whole. And I, I produced it as a vinyl album. I produced it as a CD, and also it's out with the um, streaming pirates out there. Spotify and Apple, and sorry if I call them that, but you know I, I do see it as semi-piracy. Yeah. But it's a, the way of the world, uh, and and the way of the world there is playlists. And I'm not, you know, playlists are fine, but it sort of ruins the album experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you you call you call those streaming services semi-piracy? Is that because you you don't get the full revenue? You hardly get anything. Oh, you don't get anything. Oh, well, wow. Well, yeah. you, you do. You get a little bit. I yeah. mean. Mm-hmm. Triat Trio has one album out there, or one song out there that has a, over a million listens, and we're grateful that a million, over a million people have listened to it. But that's about two thousand dollars, and you know, it's it's uh, very. It used to be you'd 
you'd make as much money when you went out to play music selling CDs and different things like that as you did in fees, and that made it sort of work. And um, now that that's really diminishing quickly. Mm. But I don't want to get started on that. That's right, a, right, right. <laughs> that's a topic that uh, I don't know. It's it's a sort of a strange business. Uh, it probably always has been, you know, quirks. But yeah, let's let's uh, let's <laughs> jump. Right. Let's jump into yeah. let's jump into uh, nothing last. The complaint of the day. The, the <laughs> complaint of the day. <laughs> so so the the the. The title the track, the title of the album, Nothing Lasting, it's, you, you're talking here about impermanence. Yeah. Um, t- tell me where this, this uh, came from. Well, there's a song, the title song is called Nothing Lasting, and, and uh, it, would, it just came from uh, some frustrations I, I had uh, a few years ago uh, when I just realized that in a digital age, in an age of everyone's sort of having their own voice to make their own news and call every uh, everybody else's news fake. It, it, it just, impermanence just sort of um, got me down. You know, it was a, a rough thing. And, and I don't think the album's a, a downer album, but it sort of starts at a, a point of, of uh, existential angst, I guess I'd call it. Um, you know, I grew up in a world, you know, of old books and old buildings and uh, tradition that sort of went on, and um, the vast majority of people treating each other kindly. And um, uh, you know, I, I, I got frustrated and um, wrote that song. Well, let's hear it now. This is I'm going to play the uh, the video version from from YouTube here. Um, so it's, uh, you know, people can go on YouTube, uh, dial up Hal Cannon, nothing lasting. So it's you and, uh, Kate McLeod, right? Yeah. Featured, featured in the video. Yeah. A lot goes on here. You're, you're kind of, uh, dressed up Western in a cabin. Certain point in the video, you, you plunge into some water. That must've been, I don't know, f- <laughs> fun, irritating to film. I don't know. It's it's it it sort of goes from normal to strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 quite well done. Uh, but let's hear this. Uh, this is the title track uh, from uh, Hal Cannon's latest album uh, called "Nothing Lasting." Drink them up. And tell a joke Used to tell them all the time Seems we shout instead of laugh Nothing lasting anyway Slept the night without a care I'm on the right, you're on the left iPhone helps me pass the hours Nothing lasting anyway Nothing lasts in any way The words are gone, don't really care Nothing lasts in any way Nothing lasts in any way Waking up, the storm is near Will it rain or will it blow? Will it tear this big house down? Nothing lasts in any way 
castle's built with playing cards. Don't look now, the house is full. King is flush, his queen is straight. Nothing lasts in any way. Nothing lasts in any way. The words are gone, don't really care. Nothing lasts in any way. Nothing lasts in any way. So that's uh, Nothing Lasting. That's the title track from Hal Cannon's latest album. We're talking about that uh, today. At the end, you hear that that water sloshing. That's part of the video. Um, I, yeah. I especially like the scene you and Kate McLeod at the, the, the dinner table. Uh, you know, the, the theme is the dinner, the, <laughs> the, the meal's done, right? But, but you, you well, both got your, your, your <laughs> knife and fork kind of looking like American Gothic. It is sort of an American Gothic scene, and actually on the plate, I think, is like one little scrawny carrot. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's all that we had to eat. That all, night. all that you had to eat that night, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good good stuff. So you said uh, this was kind of a, I don't know, a cri de corps in, in a way, uh, you know, in impermanence, uh, sort of kind of in the negative sense, right? But but uh, you said you came up with a a prayer for each uh, song kind of helped you yeah. to, to come to terms yeah. with this. I have no idea how that... I mean, when, when I I'd recorded all the songs, I listened to them, and I realized that every song was sort of a cautionary tale uh, uh, from, my, from my observations or from my life or from my background. And I was surprised. I didn't really... That, that wasn't an, an intention um, in recording these songs, and I didn't realize it. And it was sort of a... And so, uh, well, I decided to take each cautionary tale, like, you know, nothing's lasting, everything's impermanent, and try to make a, a little prayer from it, you know. what? And so each, each song has a one-line prayer. And, and by prayer, I don't mean, I don't, I don't, it's just sort of like, like a one-line la, request. Uh, to the to the universe, and um, and that I don't know that was helpful. Uh, the song, this whole album has been sort of a process, a personal process for me. Um, you know, I, I maybe at this age I should have all, already figured it out, but I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> you also say that you you wrote a chapter for each song. I mean, it added up to a memoir. What uh, what happened to the memoir? Uh, it's. <laughs> Uh, 
That was a mistake. <laughs> I wrote a whole book. Uh, each song had a chapter uh, from with stories to it, and it was a good exercise, let's put it that way. But I decided, my daughter said, don't the songs stand on their own? And I just had to say, yeah, um, they don't need all this uh, verbiage around them. A one-line prayer is probably enough. So, um uh, you know, the, I started writing a blog. I, I, I'm, for the last year, I've written a weekly column for something called Substack, and um, and some of the stories that I've I wrote in that have become weekly posts. My my last week's post, for instance, was um, was a the story of how I did the collaboration of writing a song with a, a cowboy poet named Paul Zarzyski. Uh, a song on the record called Writing Through the Burn. And um, what I did is I went through and found all the emails that we went through trying to write this song together. And it's, it turned out to be sort of love letters, not love letters between Paul and I, though I love the guy. Uh, there were love letters between words and music. And and also, the, you know, the typical things of... Uh, you know, feeling, I don't know, a little unsure and, uh, and what path are we taking? And it, it just went through a whole, whole deal. I'm sorry I wrote a little essay on that. That was going to be one of the chapters, but it turned out to be my blog last week. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's some great stuff there. I've been reading a few of those. Uh, you can get to that from halcanon.com, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, one, one that really struck me, um, it, it, it's a story, uh, it's called Larry Duckworth's last radio show. I wonder if you could yeah. give us the high points of that. That's just an extraordinary experience that you had with, <laughs> with Mr. Duckworth. Yeah. A, a few years ago, um, Greg Istock, who's, I, is, um, sort of my musical partner in Three Hat Trio. We write most of the songs for Three Hat Trio. Uh, we went, uh, to an artist retreat in uh, eastern Oregon near a town of Paisley called the the Playa. And um, every day we'd go to this uh, bar and get a burger. We'd work in the morning and then go get a burger. And one day this uh, old cowboy was wheeled into the saloon, uh, just got out of the hospital, still in his robe. And he came up to us and he said, boy, you guys are ugly. (laughs) (laughs) And that got our attention. And then he said, now you Everybody in here wants to kill you because you're so different. I mean, my friend Greg has dreadlocks, and, you know, I have a big old beard, and that didn't mean so much. But anyway, he said, you owe me a favor. I need to be carried up to the second floor of the radio station at the high school to do my daily radio show. I only have a few days to live. And so we went the next morning and carried, lifted his um, wheelchair up to this little studio in the second floor of the high school and um, just had this extraordinary experience. I recorded the whole conversations we were having as we played music and talked and he, it ended up being his last radio show and he got a little wild uh, actually and was fired (laughs) that day from the (laughs) superintendent, but he loved that. He just, he was sort of a wild cowboy character uh, he'd been doing this radio show for 11 years, uh, six days a week, mm. uh, for just for his tiny little community. And so it's a story about um, 
It's just, just a story about that. Mm. You were there for the last show. Yeah. Yeah. We, we helped him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, let's take a break. Uh, we're talking with Hal Cannon. The newest recording, Nothing Lasting, is out. And uh, that's available. And we'll continue discussion about that and hear some more songs from the album. We'll have more following this break. Thanks for listening to Access U Time. Tom Williams. We're talking with Hal Cannon. You can find him at halcannon.com. And he's out with a, a new album called Nothing Lasting. Um, it's a labor of love from a musician who's now in his fifth creative decade of simultaneously embracing tradition and pushing into new musical uh, frontiers. Um, so, how can I want to, want to talk about that? Uh, this kind of this tension between tradition and exploration, which you've dealt with, I think, throughout your whole career, and you and you talk about this in your song, uh, song "Don't Look Back." Um, so, yeah. I'd, I'd like to hear this. Anything you'd like to say to set this up? Well, this is just a song, um, just about uh, how we should embrace the moment and look forward rather than uh, than get stuck looking back. You know, I, I believe in tradition. I love tradition. But um, anyway, listen to the song, and you can uh, fire me from the folklore business if, if need be. <laughs> okay, uh, very good. Here's Hal Cannon, uh, Don't Look Back. Shall 
So there is uh, Don't Look Back, uh, Hal Cannon, and that's from the album Nothing Lasting, which is out uh, just recently. Um, you say, uh, uh, I want to read this quote from you, have you respond uh, to this, uh, applies to this song. You say, my job has been to celebrate tradition. I love tradition, and yet I've seen it smother the life out of art, politics, and conversation. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, we were, you were talking to me earlier about the little prayers. Let me just read you the prayer that I wrote for this song. May we live in faith and balance forward one step at a time. So, um, you know, I've, I've just seen people get stuck in tradition, and uh, and um, and sometimes it does seem like submission when that happens. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, when people get to my age, I see a lot of people, you know, just sort of ducking out. <laughs> and, um, you know, that's, uh, I understand it, but I don't, um, I don't like it and I don't want that in my own life. I want to move forward and embrace the, the future. Mm-hmm. Um, you've said, um, that, well, I'll just quote this from, this is Hal Cannon. I've always refused to support AARP, <laughs> because yeah. they're because they're such a powerful lobby to take away scarce resources for the young and energetic. I think you're in your seventies, right? You but you're not supporting AARP. Yeah. I don't. I don't support support it. It's a gigantic lobby, and you know I know that a lot of people would be upset. But uh, um, you know, I, I just I think moving forward and and uh, investing in the future is really important, and. Um, and that's not to say that older people don't need help and veterans don't need help. And uh, you know, I, I think we we do need to help people who are in need. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. But um, it, I think it goes overboard as a lobby, particularly a mm-hmm. political lobby. Uh, so in this, I'm reading from an interview you gave. Uh, you can find this interview on your website, halcannon.com. Uh, you're talking about, um, you know, old musicians, young musicians, old musicians who are young at heart, young musicians who yeah. are kind of older. Um, so yeah. you say, you've, uh, I'll quote you again, I see beautiful and energetic young musical artists who are doing very little to take music forward. Also, I see people in my generation dreamily re- reliving puberty in the music they listen to. <laughs> Ooh, aren't I nasty? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we see this. You know, you definitely see this. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about my my good friends. I don't want them to hate me, but <laughs> you know, that's what that's what I see. Uh, a lot. You know, we we love the music to relive the music of the most vital times in our lives, and that's probably pretty natural. And it's probably something that's happened to every generation. Now, I remember as a kid, you know, a lot of the old people just loved big band music because that's when they were out dancing and, you know, courting and, you know, this sort of scary and exciting time in their lives. And so they, they, that, that was the music they really wanted to hear. And it's true of my generation, too. Um, and unfortunately for me, uh, the music industry is mostly investing in the music of my generation. Um, old music is much, much more popular and much more financially viable than new music. So 
not very much money is being invested in new artistry. And I think that's a real imbalance. See this in the film industry too. I think you know, the, the, get a franchise going. I guess it's much more safe financially, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you you you've talked about uh, the, you did a stress test for your heart, and it it uh, you wax poetic <laughs> here. You wax poetic about your hearing the sound of your heart really had an effect on you. You know, I knew my heart beat. I, you know, I could I I've heard a beat, but when I they did this ultrasound. You know, it's the same kind of ultrasound that that uh, pregnant women have. You know, you're seeing your heart thumping, and but there's sound to it too. And it's not just. Uh, I mean, it's ultra. I mean, they they're not kidding when they say ultrasound. You you hear the blood rushing. You hear it's just like this uh, major industrial thing going on. And I was just overwhelmed hearing that for the very first time and realizing that my heart has just been this great um, thing working for me every minute, every day to keep me alive and just, you know, pumping blood around. And it was just a beautiful thing um, hearing that and realizing uh, with gratitude uh, that I had a heart that worked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the, the little things. Uh, which are the big things, right, that we take for granted. Yeah. 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 Let's take another break. We'll come back with uh, more with Hal Cannon. His latest album is Nothing Lasting, and we'll hear more following this break. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We're talking with Hal Cannon, who's uh, career includes uh, Deseret String Band and Three Hat Trio, also Red Rock Rondo, um, and he's the founder of Western Folklife Center and the annual Cowboy Poetry uh, Gathering. Um, I want to ask you, this would normally be at the very end, but I want to ask you about legacy. Do you think about that, Hal Cannon? Yeah, that would certainly include Western Folklife Center, poetry, gathering, your music, of course, um, or, or are you just concentrated to this point on making music? You know, generally I've, I ha- have... Um I'm sort of a move forward kind of guy and, uh, and put things out, you know, I'm a maker and, uh, but it's been interesting. I, my, this album has been out now a couple of weeks and I feel a little differently this time. I'm, I'm sort of, um, at a point where I just sort of want to take some things in rather than, uh, keep putting it out. And, um, I don't, I don't know what that will bring. Um, I might get antsy and, get into another project really quickly, but I don't have a real project right now. And I, um, it feels good mm-hmm. and it feels uh, lighter, um, somehow to be able to, um, just enjoy what's, uh, this beautiful fall we're having and, uh, enjoy, you know, my, my wife and where I live. I, you know, we live down in Virgin, Utah, right, right by Zion national park. And it's just phenomenally, beautiful and sacred down here uh, and I, 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 I so I'm, I'm loving loving things well it's wonderful well let's hear uh, let's hear another song I want to hear the uh, have us hear the last song the the album Silver Dove um, anything you, you want to say to set this up and then uh, I definitely want to have you maybe after the song tell a story that you recount about how the, the effect on at least a couple of people 
from Afghanistan. Yeah. No, well, let's just uh, maybe. Well, let me just read my prayer for it first. May the children help us find the way. That's the prayer. Yeah. All right. Um, so this is Silver Dove from Hal Cannon's album uh, Nothing Lasting.
So that uh, is the uh, uh, final song on the, the album, Nothing Last, and that's called Silver Dove. Uh, if people didn't recognize her voice, I believe that's Molly O'Brien on the song yeah. with you there. And uh, we heard a flugelhorn solo. Yes. <laughs> I love that flugelhorn solo. <laughs> that's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it fits right, fits right in. Uh, so I mentioned, and uh, in this interview I've been mentioning, you, uh, you, you tell a story about this. Uh, this. This song went out into the world and had an effect on some folks uh, halfway around the world. Why don't you tell this? Uh, yeah, my Teresa and I, my wife, have been involved in helping uh, a few uh, refugee families from Afghanistan um, make their way to freedom. And um, some girls, a couple of girls we help support are now students at Wasatch Academy in central Utah. And, and uh, we're still working to try to get a family who escaped the Taliban and are um, in Iran um, out to a, to a more free place. Um, amazing family. Uh, most of the women in the family, the daughters and the mother, are, are medical doctors. And they were really um, getting a lot of trouble from the Taliban. And they, um, my friend who does an English lesson with these women uh, and also the man in the family, uh, every week uh, invited us to be part of it. And so she shared the, my music and some of Teresa's work. Teresa did this project where she um, painted a different bird every day for a year during the COVID. And she put a video together that's really amazing. And anyway, the, then Silver Dove is part of that. And the women in, the, um, in this family just really wanted to tell me um, and they told me several times, and each of them told me how much it meant to, the, to them to hear the, the line about may women hold their head high and live and walk freely, and how that's their dream as well. And that sort of validated um, the song for me, because that was the intention of the song, to think about sort of the dream of a good life and, a, and the way things should be with leadership, the way that people should be treated. Uh, and the canary in the mine is the children, you know. Uh, we look in our children's eyes to really know how things are going. And um, I learned that when I wrote the song, when I was in a, a dictatorship uh, in Turkmenistan on a cultural exchange and saw how controlled uh, society was there. And then we went to these schools, and these kids were just free and happy. And um, and I just wish so much that their lives would continue in that way, in freedom and happiness. Mm. It's very gratifying to see, you know, to, to see an effect that your your songs have had. Uh, talking about music in general, what does what does music do? What can music do? Well, it's it's a really important force in my life. I, I can't speak for others, but um, you know, it's it's where I find a lot of my spiritual solace. Um, and uh, uh, you know, I've always loved music. It's always where I found sort of the magic in life. Um, you know, I went into folk music and folklore, and because uh, I felt like that's 
was the seed of sort of the most grounded music I'd heard. You know, I'm incredible. You talked about legacy. You know, so much of um, where I've been has had to do with Utah State. Even though I was never a student at Utah State, I was always very involved uh, with the folklorists and the folklore archive. Uh, with Austin and Alta Five when they taught at Utah State, they were mentors to me. And then the more recent folklorists, and um, it's uh, and actually my collection uh, is going to Utah State to the folklore archives. And so I've been, you know, sending things to them and uh, my collections of things and recordings and interviews. And so, you know, to me, that's that's a legacy that can be passed on, something that students can have access to, and it might help somebody along. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me a little bit more about that. Your, your uh, I guess, what, folklore collections going out and recording music? Is that uh, that'd be part of it? Well, that'd be part of it. Uh, you know, a lot of it is the Western Folklife Center's archive, and I think that's going to be coming to Utah State. Um, I'm not sure if the negotiations are all the way there, but for 15 years I produced, uh, you know, 50, 60, or 100 features for NPR, and we kept all of the original interviews and recordings, and, and they're all mostly transcribed. And so... All of that material from Western Folklife Center will go there. When I was state folklorist of Utah, that went to the Utah Arts Council, and I believe all that material is now uh, cataloged at the uh, in special collections of the library. Um, I'm not sure where it is right now, but uh, you know it's a continuing job. And um, Utah State has just been, you know, uh, a national leader in preserving and documenting and archiving uh, the folk traditions of our country and the world. Well, let's, uh, let's hear some more music as we uh, reach the end of our uh, time together. I want to I want to play, I guess, surprisingly, the first track on the, on the album, 36 Miles. Um, anything you'd like to say about this? Um, no, it's sort of fun to, to read my little prayers. Um, I'll start with a prayer. May we move from the profane to the sacred. All right. Here is uh, 36 Miles. This is uh, Hal Cannon from his album, Nothing Lasting. Night. 
36 miles from Zuni to Gallup. There's blood on this highway, there's love on it too. Keep those tears from soaking through. Six miles from Zuni to Gallup. Winter moon is coming on. Dancers pray to bless this place. Zuni thanks on every face. Six miles from Zuni to Gallup. The ancient ones don't talk to me. Facing north, I've come apart. A humble guest with an aching heart. So that is 36 miles, Hal Canada. We only have about 30 seconds left. So tell me very briefly what Chalico is. Chalico is an annual dance and prayer and and festival uh, that the Zuni people put on in the first weeks of December. It's four tribal members for people at Zuni Puebla mostly. Occasionally, back in the old days anyway, they could invite outsiders, but... It was an important dance for me to be part of. Well, we've reached the end of our time. Uh, Hal Cannon's latest uh, album is Nothing Lasting. And uh, I appreciate so much the conversation, Hal Cannon. Appreciate it. It's been a pleasure, Tom, uh, talking with you today. Thank you. And uh, we'll go out as we always do here on Tuesdays, at least at this point, with uh, Citizens Academy, Richard Ratliff. Utah Public Radio, Citizens Academy, Session 13. In preparation for this session, I asked a seasoned and respected political leader if you could convince all of the politicians in Utah of one idea that you think would most benefit the people and government of the state, what would it be? The answer was not surprising. The implications were eye-opening. The answer? Good politics and good government begin and end with the principle, know and love the community and the people who live there. Politics are local. No matter what the office is, the effects are always local. That is the expected answer. Not surprising. Know and love the community and its people. Now, the implications. People will elect government leaders whom they think have their interests at heart, whom they believe know and love them. You might hear references like, yes, I knew him in Rotary Club. He organized a service project in my neighborhood a couple of years ago. A regular guy. He's one of us. Or, I knew her when she was on city council. There was a big fire on the side of the mountain. She helped clean it up as a volunteer right alongside the regular workers. 
I met her. She still knows me and calls me by name. I like her. Building such rapport takes time and effort. People notice those who consistently show up when they're needed, whether it be in a leading role or part of a group effort. They notice when those people also know others involved and when they pitch in to do the work. People learn to trust them. People feel they can approach them and that they will listen. That takes time and effort in a broad range of activities, such as regular membership in a local service club, participation in church activities, active involvement in local councils, boards, and commissions, various community volunteer services, support for local cultural arts and sporting teams, participation in local political caucuses, or something as simple as directing traffic for a local event. Next point. Elections are won years ahead, not usually in the few weeks of campaigning before votes are cast. Of course, it is impossible to know everybody in the community, even over a number of years, but it will be those who do know and like the candidate that will convince most of those who do not know the candidate personally. Higher offices may indicate a larger community, but the principles are the same. Voters want someone in office who, quote, knows and cares about me. And for every issue, whether an international treaty that likely will affect the price of my gasoline or the approach of a major storm across the continent that may affect the arrival of those special flowers I ordered for my family reunion next weekend, every issue is very likely to have a local effect. Every issue is a local issue. All politics are local politics. One other major point. Critical decisions made closer to where the action is usually are simpler, more effective, and less costly than when those decisions are directed from a distance. Not always, but usually. I commented that this description of what it takes for political success sounds a lot like relationship building. The response? Politics are all about relationships. Knowing and loving the community and the people are all about building relationships. And if I am a politician in the state of Utah, I must understand the importance of developing a lot of strong relationships in every direction. Whether it is a national, state, or local office, it is local relationships that get us elected. It is local relationships that get the work done where it counts. When the lights go out, the governor can be sympathetic, but the local linemen turn the power back on. What can I say but amen? This is Richard Ratliff for Citizens Academy. I am a political relationist. You may be too. I hope so. Thanks for listening. Till next time.